Today on Bread for the Broken with James Grizzle, pastor of Calvary Chapel, Galveston. Do not put me on a pedestal. I do not want to be there, and I don't deserve to be there. When we do that, we set our heroes up for failure. We set our heroes up for failure, and then they crash, and they burn, and then what? Then what? You hate them? Why? Well, because you idolize them. They're just people. Men, women, doesn't matter. They're just people. The only one who deserves to be bowed down to is Jesus, period. I don't care how cool they are, how great of a speaker they are, or whatever. They do not deserve your worship, so don't give it to them. We have the tendency to idolize others, most likely people that we don't know personally, and therefore people who can control what we see or hear from them. Well, Pastor James reminds us today how dangerous that can be. When you idolize someone, you set them up for failure. Any wrong that they do is amplified. But guess what? They're still humans. They make mistakes. There's absolutely no one who can live up to your expectations. So why not idolize the one who can exceed them? Christ is all you need. Now here's Pastor James in the book of Acts chapter 10 with today's edition of Bread for the Broken. Go ahead and turn to Acts chapter 10. Peter, the apostle, is at Simon's house. Simon Peter is at Simon's house. Simon's a tanner. He's a, he's a Jew who, you know, he, he skins animals. He works with dead animals and all that stuff. Kind of technically makes him unclean. But Simon Peter is in Joppa, which is the town from Old Testament times where Jonah was running away from God. That's where he went to that port city to hop on a boat to try to get as far away from God as he possibly could. Didn't work out well for him. Okay, Peter is in Joppa, staying at Simon's house, and then he has this vision as he's up on the up on the roof, so to speak, praying. And it's noontime, and he can smell the food, and he has this vision, this blanket, or as I called it last week, this tortilla uh, that gets rolled out, and it's got all these unclean animals on it. And God says, "Hey, Peter, get up and eat. Have whatever smorgasbord. You can eat whatever you want to do. All you can eat buffet." And Peter's like, "No, no, no." Three times. No, 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 no. I don't do that, God. I'm a good religious person. I don't do those things. And God's like, well, I'm telling you to do it. So which wins? The rules or the guy who established everything? The guy who established everything. That wins out every time. Peter is contemplating what all this means. In the meantime, three guys from this guy named Cornelius, who's a Gentile, uh, who's over a uh, hundred soldiers, part of the Roman army. Uh, he sends three individuals to go and get Peter. And at that same time, they're knocking on the door. Peter goes downstairs and, and it kind of clicks in his brain, maybe not totally as we'll see, but he understands that God is sending him a message that goes beyond food. Okay, it's, he's, He knows that this, is, this has to deal with people. So Peter shows up, and he talks to these guys. He's like, look, I'm the guy you're looking for. What do you need? And, and they just report to him. They said, well, our master had a vision, so we need you to come back with us and tell us everything that God has told you to tell us. And Peter's like, okay, why don't you guys come in? And he entertains them. Jews were not supposed to do this. He brought these Gentiles into this other guy's house, Simon's house, and he entertained them. Okay, He took care of all their needs. 
for that night. And then where we're going to pick up is the journey down to Caesarea, which is 30, 33 miles away. So context, that's where we're at. So we know that this is a chapter in which really the doors for the gospel to go to the Gentiles are just blown off their hinges. And the Lord is moving tremendously to get his gospel to Gentiles. And by and large, the Jews have been rejecting this gospel. And so the Lord's like, okay, well, we'll go to the Gentiles. We'll make you jealous, so to speak, because it's the time of the church. And so amazing things are going to happen. So let's see. Let's pick back up in uh, verse 23, just for the sake of context there. It says, so Peter invited the men to stay for the night. The next day, he went with them, accompanied by some of the brothers from Joppa. So Peter's smart. He's going to bring witnesses with him. Because he doesn't know what's going to happen, but he knows this. I should bring people who can verify my story. It's called accountability, and you should always have it, okay? You should always have it. It's a good idea. If you're going to go do something, it's always good to travel in packs, so to speak, all right? Not that anything bad's going to happen, but you want somebody to be able to back you up too when the Lord does something amazing. Be like, no, we were there. We saw it. It really happened, okay? So he's got his crew the three Gentiles, they're, they're all going to go on this little, this little road trip together, okay? Verse 24, they arrived in Caesarea the following day. Cornelius was waiting for them and called together his relatives and his close friends. This is incredible. Here's Cornelius. He's a, he's a good religious guy. He prays, he gives, and he fasts. He does everything we're all supposed to do that Jesus is expecting us to do. But this is a religious guy. He has no relationship with Jesus. He is a religious guy, and God hears his prayers. He sees his good deeds. He recognizes all that stuff. God sends him an angel, a messenger, to let him know, like, hey, you need to get Simon over here because he's got something for you. So what does Cornelius do? He sends his guys immediately, but not just that. He gathers all his family and all his friends together in his house, anticipating Peter showing up to deliver whatever the word is that God has for them. This is a home church, is what this is. This is a home fellowship. And this is by somebody who, he's a Gentile, he's a God-fearing Gentile, but he's like, listen, God's going to bring something, so we should all be present. What a great application point for all of us. Does that mean all your friends and family members should be here? No, not technically. But is there a place where you guys can gather, where the Lord has the freedom to speak? That should always be present. Maybe that's in your home. Maybe that's in your home. Maybe that's you opening up your home saying, listen, and maybe you don't, you don't have to be the teacher, but maybe you got somebody. Maybe there's a Simon Peter in your life who, you know, the Lord's given them something they want to share. They're really good at, you know, sharing the word or whatever that is. But sometimes you don't have to be the Simon Peter in the story. Sometimes the more important individuals are the, the Romans, the Gentiles, the Corneliuses, and their friends and their family, the ones who know how to gather people together and say, hey, we all need to get together because the Lord is going to speak through this person for us. That's incredible. We live in a time, day and age, where a lot of people don't like that, so to speak. Well, why just one person? Why can God, why is it always just James on the stage? It, number one, it's not always just James on the stage, and that's not even the goal. But sometimes, I mean, this is how the Lord works. The Lord can speak through an individual to a group at large, and there's nothing wrong with that. There's nothing wrong with that. That may not be your style. That may not, you might rather sit around in tables. I know I have friends, they're pastors of churches, and the way that they do it is they all sit around in tables, and they have discussion groups. 
That's how they choose to do it. That's fine. But that's not always how the Lord does it. Sometimes the Lord has a message that he gives to an individual, says, I want you to share that to the group at large. And there's nothing wrong with that. Kind of like, I think we've gotten on tra- off track a little bit concerning the church, especially in the West, Western culture, um, to where we make it, if it's not about us, then it's not right. And that's the wrong mentality when it comes to church, because church is all about Jesus, period. We may not like it, but that's okay. It's not about you. It's not about you. What's that Francis Chan quote? Somebody says they didn't enjoy worship one day, and he's like, oh, that's okay, because we weren't worshiping you. You know? It's like, it's fine. You you weren't the object of our worship, so that's fine. So here's a group. They get all their family members. Cornelius gets his family. He gets his friends. He's he's so excited because he knows Simon Peter's going to show up with the word, with the word. And this is a, a group of people who are excited about the word of God. That's it. I hope that's why you show up. I understand relationships and all that stuff, but I hope top of our list is, number one, it, it is Jesus. He surpasses all aspects on the list for sure. But I hope it's like, because I, I know the word's going to get taught. I know the word's going to get taught. And I hope that that's, that's why we gather. It's because, well, I want to show up because I know the word's going to get taught. And the Lord may have something for me today. Today, I hope he does. Maybe this is part of it. Maybe, maybe the Lord's tugging on your heart to open up your home, to open up your home, get some friends, get some family members together, and get somebody you get up and, and share the, from the word or get somebody who can share from the word. But we can do more of that. You actually know you don't have to sign up to have a home group here at Calvary Galveston, okay? Now, you may have a home group and all that stuff. Now, we're not going to take, like, ownership of that. Or, I mean, please, by all means, if you're advertising that it's part of Calvary Galveston, please let us know. And also, what are you teaching? Because that really, that's really important to me because I don't need some group that's out there that's like, oh, we're going through this book. And then, no, no, no. But there's no, like, there's no rule saying that you can't have friends and family over in your house and share the word with them. Knock yourself out. Turn your neighborhood upside down. Bring people into your house. Teach them the word of God. Go for it. (laughs) Go for it. If you're like, I can't teach, find somebody who can. Go for it. We got to do that more outside of these walls because if it only happens in these walls, we're not doing it right. We're missing it. Okay? You'll be way more effective, way more effective if you're opening up your home. Or maybe there's a group that is opening up their home and they're doing that. Well, then be a part of that. Go for it. You got to have more than just Sunday mornings, that's for sure, okay? I just love his heart. I love Cornelius's, I mean, he, you can just sense his, his enthusiasm behind this. He's like, he's showing up, so everybody's got to get here because he's coming with the word of God, and that's why we're showing up. Love it. I love that, that mentality. That's, it's brilliant. So he gathers all his people together and says, as Peter entered his home, Cornelius fell at his feet and worshiped him, which is awkward. Praise God for Peter's response. He says, Peter pulled him up and said, stand up. Listen, I'm, I'm, I'm just a human like you. I'm just a guy. What are you doing? This is embarrassing. Get up. Get up. Get up. The sad thing is people are still falling at the feet of Peter. Go to Rome. They're still falling at the feet of Peter, and they're kissing his toes. Number one, that's gross, okay? That's really, I mean, come on. Yeah. Uh, the germaphobe in me is like, how many people have kissed his toe? No way. Um, listen, I ain't kissing anybody's toes. But uh, I think Peter would be like, what are you guys doing? What are you doing? The same experience is going to happen to Paul. And they both have the same response. Get up. 
you do not bow down to me. That should be the response of everybody who preaches the word of God. Do not bow down to me. And I'm telling you right now, do not bow down or idolize me. Do not put me on a pedestal. I do not want to be there, and I don't deserve to be there. When we do that, we set our heroes up for failure. We set our heroes up for failure, and then they crash, then they burn, and then what? Then what? You hate them? Why? Well, because you idolized them. They're just people. Men, women, doesn't matter. They're just people. The only one who deserves to be bowed down to is Jesus, period. I don't care how cool they are, how great of a speaker they are, or whatever. They do not deserve your worship, so don't give it to them, okay? Peter's like, get up. You're embarrassing me. He corrects them in a loving way, I'm sure, uh, but he lets them know. He's like, listen, and I, this statement is, is key. It's beyond just Peter's humility. He's addressing this Gentile man as an equal. We'll miss that if we're just reading through it. He says, stand up. I'm a human being just like you. Now, a few days before, now Peter, the Lord's been working on Peter, but a Jew wouldn't make this statement to a Gentile. They wouldn't. They wouldn't classify Gentiles on the same level as them because the way that they've been taught, they're not. You're not the same as me. Yeah, we're humans, but I'm up here and you're down here. That was how they were raised. They were raised with this kind of, this, this mindset, which was totally inaccurate and it's not biblical. But Peter pulls him up and says, listen, I'm a human just like you. Even for Peter to be going to this Gentile's house, he already knows he's setting himself up for a lot of questions by the Jews. Goes on verse 27, so they talked together and went inside where many others were assembled or were gathered. So Peter walks into this and the house is packed out with people. How encouraging would that be? You're signed up to speak at, a, at a, some sort of function, some sort of home fellowship, and you walk in and there's just people everywhere. Number one, you're going to be a little bit intimidated, probably, if you're normal, because normal people don't like speaking in front of groups. That's natural. And you don't like walking into a scenario where you don't know anybody, and then there's a whole lot of people that you just don't know at all. And you're like, uh, where'd all these people come from? But that's what Peter walked into. That's what he walked into. And what I love about this is Peter is being led by the Holy Spirit He's being directed. All his steps are physically and literally being directed by, by the Lord. Every step down to Caesarea, through the doors of Cornelius' house, in the midst of the congregation, and then it's going to be the Holy Spirit who's going to give Peter the message to tell these people that he is not prepared to speak to, so to speak. But you got to know when the people show up or when the people start asking you, all right, Tell us what God wants to say to me. You better have a message. And that message needs to be about Jesus, period, OK? So he walks into it. It's a full house. Many others were assembled. Peter told them, you know it's against our laws for a Jewish man to enter a Gentile home like this or to associate with you. But God, but God has shown me that I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. You can't do that. And I'm telling you right now, church, you can't do that. You cannot judge people like that. It is wrong. It's sin. Please understand that. Okay. Now, do you judge the fruit of people 
Of course. Do you watch their lives and their character? Of course you do. But can you stand in judgment of somebody because maybe their skin color is this way? No, you cannot. Because their belief system is this way? No, you cannot. You can't. You're supposed to love your neighbor exactly how God told you to. You love him, you love your neighbor. There you go. What does that mean? That means just loving them. Does that mean being in total agreement with everything that they believe in? No, don't be silly. Of course not. No. But that doesn't mean you stop loving them. There's lots of people in our lives that we're not even on the same page, but we love them. Why? Well, because if Jesus can love this guy, then this guy should be able to love anybody, regardless of who they are, regardless of their background. Here's Peter standing in the midst of a sea of Gentiles, and he's like, hey, um, just so you guys know, I know you guys know this, I'm not supposed to be here. I shouldn't be here. If we're going to go by religion, I should not be here today. I shouldn't even be around you guys. But God has changed everything. He's changed it all. And who do we follow? Do we follow man or do we follow God? We follow God. That's it. So here's Peter. He's like, I, I shouldn't be here. But God has shown me that. I should no longer think of anyone as impure or unclean. So I came without objection as soon as I was sent for. Now tell me, well, why did you send for me? Why am I here? Cornelius says in verse 30, four days ago, I was praying in my house about the same time, three o'clock in the afternoon. Suddenly, a man in dazzling clothes was standing in front of me. He told me, Cornelius, your prayer has been heard and your gifts to the poor have been noticed by God. Now send messengers to Joppa and summon a man named Simon Peter. He is staying at the home of Simon, a tanner who lives near the seashore. It's just how precise God is and how he knows. He knows, he knows, he knows. He knows Cornelius' name. Notice that. He calls him by name. He knows Simon Peter's name. He knows Simon the Tanner's name. And he knows Simon the Tanner's address. He's brilliant, okay? And when he wants to get a message to you or he wants you to deliver a message to somebody else, listen, trust him with the details. He's got it figured out. He doesn't need your help. He just needs your obedience, okay? So Cornelius is just relaying, like, this is what happened. This is what was going on. So he told me to send for you. So he goes on, verse 33. So I sent for you at once. There's no hesitation there. And it was good for you to come. Now we are all here waiting before God, not before you, Peter, but we are here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given you. Beautiful. You can't ask for a better scenario. You can't ask for a better scenario, especially if you're teaching the word of God, for there to be a whole crowd. And they're like, hey, we showed up in the presence of God because uh, we're just waiting for the, whatever the Lord is, for whatever message the Lord has given to you. Okay, go. Right? Like, whoa, sweet. Hopefully that's what happens on Sunday mornings. Listen, this is, this is good advice for you as somebody who shows up to hear. The best Sunday morning that you can have for yourself is to prepare yourself before you get here. Do all the preparation before you show up. Say, okay, Lord, I'm going to church today. Lord, I pray that you would speak to me. What do you have for me today? What message do you have for me today, Lord? Prepare your heart before you even get here. 
We don't do that, though, do we? Because we get so routine, and it's like, well, Sunday, it's church. I just got to show up, and he's going to say some stuff and probably talk for too long and all that good stuff, make some lame jokes. At least that's my kid, you know, that's, that's what I do. No, 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 we, and that's, this is something that I've had to learn to do, too, is when I get to show up and, and just sit and listen to somebody else, I mean, I try to make it a point to where it's like, okay, Lord, help me to, especially, and if you've ever taught, you know this deal where you're like, doing the thing where you're like, okay, well, I probably wouldn't have said that, or maybe I would have said it like this. I hate that. That's a nightmare inside my brain. But I try to go into listening to messages like, okay, Lord, what do you want from me today? What message do you have for me today? It's the best thing you can do for yourself when you show up on a Sunday morning or a Wednesday night or whenever it may be. If you know the word's going to be taught, the thing that you should do is say, okay, God, what do you want to say to me? Help me to receive that. Essentially, that's what these guys are saying. They're like, okay, so God said that this was going to happen, and so I gather my friends and my family, and we're all here waiting before God to hear the message the Lord has given to you. So go. Teach. It's beautiful. It's brilliant. It's amazing. And here's Peter. He's like, mm, okay, what message? What do I got in my back pocket? I got all these sermon outlines. No, he doesn't have any of that stuff. In fact, the message he's going to deliver to them is the same message he's taught multiple times through the book of Acts. And it still works today. If you don't know what to say, take notes on this next part, okay? So he goes, verse 34, Peter replied, I see very clearly that God shows no favoritism, <laughs> obviously, okay? Which is good news for all of us. God doesn't play favorites. In every nation, he accepts those who fear him and do what is right, his salvation, his hand of salvation, his arm of salvation extends to anybody and everybody. What does it take? Does this mean like, well, if you just fear God and you do good works and that, no, 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 listen, he's going to narrow it down to where it's like, there is one way and it's Jesus. But you need to understand that, man, there are individuals across this globe that, that fear God, that love the Lord and they're doing good works and his salvation is extended to anybody and everybody. It's the whosoever's of the world. He says, I, I see God doesn't play favorites. And man, this, this great gospel message has been extended and open for everybody. Verse 36, it says, this message of good news for the people of Israel, that there is peace with God through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after John, that's John the Baptist, began preaching his message of baptism. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. That you can go back into John chapter 3. Well, I mean, John chapter 1, the first part of John there, and then all the Gospels have the account of Jesus being baptized, coming up, Holy Spirit descending upon him. But Peter chooses to start there, okay, with the ministry of Jesus, so to speak, with the baptism. With holy, baptism by the Holy Spirit or with the Holy Spirit and power, and then Jesus went around doing good. This is continuing on there in verse uh, 38. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him, verse 39. And we apostles are witnesses of all that he did throughout Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him to death by hanging him on a cross. This is interesting. Why would he phrase it that way? And it was commonly known in this day and age if the Jews were going to kill someone, capital punishment, they only did it through stoning. But if the Romans were going to kill somebody, capital punishment, they were going to do it by crucifixion. So what Peter is doing is saying, listen, there's no one group to blame. We're all guilty. Jews, Gentiles. Jesus ended up on that cross because of our sins. So you want to get mad at the Jews? You can't. 
You want to get mad at the Romans? You can. Who do I get mad at? Get mad at sin. You've been listening to another edition of Bread for the Broken with Pastor James Grizzle. We're so glad that you joined us as we learned about the early church in the book of Acts together. What an incredibly powerful book of God's faithfulness. If you'd like to listen to today's teaching again or hear more teachings from Pastor James, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the teachings tab. While you're there, you'll also be able to learn more about the church behind this ministry, Calvary Chapel Galveston. If you're ever in the Galveston area, we would love to have you visit. We meet each Sunday at 10 a.m. and Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. for worship and Bible study. Our atmosphere is pretty relaxed, so we invite you to come just as you are. For directions and to learn more about us, just visit breadforthebroken.com. We would also love to connect with you. Just drop us a note in the contact form to let us know if you've been blessed by this ministry. Would you also prayerfully consider partnering with us in this ministry? Support from people like you allows us to share the gospel in unique and amazing ways. If you'd like to donate, visit breadforthebroken.com and click on the Donations tab. Any and all donations are welcome and greatly appreciated. We thank you in advance for your generosity in partnering with what God is doing. Our website one more time is breadforthebroken.com. Well, that's all the time we have for today, but be sure to tune in again next time as Pastor James teaches more from the Book of Acts right here on Bread for the Broken.